Hello there. It's my absolute pleasure today to host the all-inclusive Anjali Chogani, as she'd like to describe herself. Having started her career in the fashion boutique space in Bangalore, she found herself exploring the scope as a teacher, a culinary educator, a writer, content creator, and chef in the UK and in Spain. Like many women in India, she strives to be many different Anjali's for different people in her life. She talks about maintaining self-discipline, integrating herself into new places that become home, and helping other people to be the best of their ability. An advocate of being kind, soft, and nice to oneself as much as others, she gets into the nitty-gritties of how championing mistakes is crucial to success and was the cause of one amazing Anjali 2.0 version of herself. This conversation is a gentle reminder of self-love, something that we sort of, you know, brush aside often and each one of us needs. Tune in to really understand this, the nuances of Anjali's journey and I hope it makes you think on how self-love matters to you as well. Anjali, thank you so much. Um, you've really tried to squeeze in this 90 minutes in between your last minute uh, family time before you travel back to Spain. So I'm not going to take this time for granted. Uh, thank you so much for making this time. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with totally you. Totally ours as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get started. Sure. I think um, when I spoke to you uh, a few days back, one of the things that really struck me is your journey, um, whether it is starting off in the fashion boutique space, which was pretty successful, to moving back to UK and then Spain, and then really embarking on this new journey of uh, a culinary educator, a writer, um, a content creator, a teacher, all of that, right, and a chef. Um, so I thought today, if we can spend our time to really deconstruct the art of learning, um, I think that would be a great thing. Um, to start off with, um, I, there's this book by this author called Alvin Totler um, called Future Shock and Third Wave, where he predicts the, um, the, the wave of Web 2.0, which is what we are currently living in, whether it is the social media, right. Uh, what we call the walled gardens, right? Mm -hmm. So you were almost at the same time embarking on a new career journey. And so I felt there's a lot of, you know, analogy we can pick up because now we're just starting on a web 3.0 journey, which is going to be much bigger for content creators. And so nothing like really understanding your journey and learning the facets of it and imbibing it on a new journey, I thought. Uh, with that, I want to start off with... Tell me who's Anjali. What was that journey like? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, would, I like to describe myself as somebody who is all-inclusive. So when I say all-inclusive, I mean that I can be many things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I like to split myself up into many parts so that I can act or not act, be uh, as many different Anjalis as possible. Sometimes it can go a little bit off balance um, as 
I would say I can speak for women in general. We tend to take on quite a bit at once. Um, but I think as me personally, Anjali myself, I've always liked to be uh, different things for different people, but all at the same time. Mm. So whether it's a mum, whether it's um, my partner to my husband, a wife, uh, a daughter, uh, that I'm still very much quite active as a daughter as well, even though my parents don't live with me. Um, someone who collaborates with others, a teacher, um, a food stylist, a writer, content creator, all of those things, I feel like I'm juggling all of that at the same time, but I like it. I enjoy it. So and I could me. see that actually evolving as well, right? When I was, when we talked and mm. then I went back to your website that you shared and also some of your videos. Um, let me step back and really talk about some of these journeys for the audience. Uh, you started running the boutique, the fashion boutique over here, which is pretty successful back then and still is, um, at the age of 18? Yes. So I wouldn't say I started running it. I would say that my parents took on this initiative and it was my mom who triggered it. Mm. And then it became a sort of a family business, which is something we didn't have prior to that. Um, because my father was simultaneously working somewhere else. But this was something that they wanted to do. And I think their idea behind it was that for me to get involved with something that I enjoyed. So I studied fashion marketing and merchandising in the UK, came back with that, and um, basically immersed myself in that, uh, in that business with them. And eventually, yes, I would say I took over. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. you moved, of uh, course, your wedding... Yeah. Back with your husband to London and then Spain. To Barcelona, straight. Oh, directly to yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. So I've been to Barcelona and, yeah. and I've been to, uh, we've driven around the south coast of, mm. you know, Spain. And it's a beautiful country. I Lovely. think that's one place where we'd always love to go back. It's like yeah. a cultural hub. It is. Not just in terms of the language and the people. It's the food, the the ambience, the everything, right? Mm. It's a different um, experience itself. But as a newcomer to a town like Barcelona, to a city like Barcelona, you had everything new, like language yeah. to people, to home, to everything is new. And then you started on a culinary journey. Yeah. How did you go about really thinking about that? Well, um, as you said, the journey in the beginning was a little bit sort of um, based on me integrating myself mm. into uh, where I was, you know. So as you come in as a foreigner, you need to learn the language first, which was, it's key. That is, if you're going to, if you see yourself somewhere for the long run, you must integrate, you must be a local, you must fit in as a local. Um, and this is 21 years ago. So I live in, a, in an area which is quite residential. And 21 years ago, I think I stood out quite a lot, even though I don't look entirely different. But there was something there that people used to sort of sometimes stop and stare and be like, oh, who's that, you know, in the, in the area. Um, but uh, it was about learning to fit in, learning the language, and uh, just understanding the culture. That's what needed to be done first. So that took its time. Then creating your home, because when you are coming from somewhere else that was your home previously, you want to create a space that's yours. 
that takes time as well. So I sort of went very gradually, step by step, um, and I decided that, okay, let's let's put things one by one. It's like putting the pieces into the puzzle. No, you've got a new puzzle. You just want to try to fit things in slowly. And um, coming to the journey, the culinary journey, that was way later. Mm. So that was after I settled down, after I had my children. While I had my kids, I was teaching English because that seemed to be a sort of softer way to start back into the workforce. And then I started my journey into the culinary into world. This new yeah. world. Yeah. So one of the things, again, this author Alvin Totler talks about is in the 21st century, an illiterate is not one who cannot read, but more the kind who don't know the art of learning. Mm. And I think your journey sort of really embarks on this completely. Um, I want to start off with there are certain characteristics of a lifelong learner. Right. Right. What are some of those at the core of who Anjali is as a lifelong learner? Mm -hmm. Because you seem to have clarity. Like if I draw an analogy to what we just spoke about, when you're venturing into a new organization, you've gone into a new culture, a new country, you need to embark on that culture. You need to understand that culture. You need to sort of fit yourself into the culture. And then identify how to get a grounding Mm. within that culture, which is the English Yes. Uh, courses that you started yeah. off with and then reinvent yourself yeah. right so in that process help me understand what is this learner's journey like and it's a lifelong journey you're yeah. going through right so yeah. what does that entail what are some of the key skills that you come with first of all the key skill for me is to tell yourself I don't know everything I don't know. It's hard to do that, but then it is very important. I think think you must come up, you must be there with an open mind and an open heart because it's all very well to say open-mindedness, but we are all, we're connected. No, the mind, the heart, the body, the spirit, everything is connected, right? So if you go in with an open mind, but your heart is stopping you, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to translate what you're, Um, consuming or what you're learning at all because your heart's going to be closed and it's not going to accept it Mm. so that accepting part of it as well is huge so you've got to be open-minded you've got to accept what's coming to you and if you're learning be willing to learn that that willingness to absorb something new that willingness to say I can do this I think it's not so much about confidence because being I'm I was not a very confident person I would say to be very honest with you it was scary in mm. the beginning it was very scary and part of that is also good because having fear of the unknown is something I think that all of us do have you've got to also just hone that fear so it doesn't freak you out basically yeah. right yeah. so having that fear is good because it also kind of encourages you to overcome it and say, yeah, but I can do this. It's good. It's only a language, for example. We can do this. It's just another language. It's about communication, no? So communication on all levels when you're learning as well, communicating with your teacher, communicating with the content that you're receiving and dealing with it on a level that's going to work for you, you know? So how do I use this language? in a way that is going to work for me in the long run. 
You know, I don't need to learn statistics or stock exchange words or, um, you know, business lingo and things like that. I need to learn, first of all, how to fend for myself in the city. I need to learn to something as basic as going to the supermarket, let's just say, right, to buy yourself something. I need to know how to ask for help. I need to know how to call a doctor if I need one. Those kind of basic things in the beginning. And it's kind of letting those borders, those those barriers down mm. and breaking it all down. Mm. You know, as I said, going back to, I don't know everything. Mm. That for me is my baseline. I don't know everything, but I want to learn more. Let's learn. It's good to learn. Educate ourselves so that we can educate others. That's what we need to do. So when you started, did you already have like a North Star that... I'm going to get into, like once you started on this uh, journey, um, getting into the culinary part of it, yeah. did you already have a North Star of, um, I want to be a teacher, and so hence I'm going to do A, B, C, D as steps, or did you discover it in the process? I discovered it in the process, very much in the process. Um, my first, uh, what I wanted to do first was learn the skills. So... For me, I went into culinary school wanting to learn how to um, not just cook basics, but learn how a professional kitchen works and learn the skills from the teachers. So it's not about what they're teaching you, but it's about observing how they're teaching you and what is the methodology behind all of that, you know? It's kind of just like... Um, being in their shoes, you know, and really immersing yourself in that. Again, when you're learning something, it's about getting what you want out of it. So not everyone wants the same thing out of uh, this type of a course. Now, this culinary course was about integral Spanish and French cooking. That didn't interest me as much as the the skills behind it, the chopping, the cutting, the, the mise en place, the preparation, all of that and seeing how these people were functioning within the kitchen, that was what excited me, you know. And of course, I went in there also to learn pastry because I was quite passionate about baking. That was super interesting. It was really cool to see how fine pastry, fine baking was so different to the everyday, you know, and I wanted to hone my skills and make them much better so that I could continue with my catering. So I just went in there with that perspective. But when you started, you know, cooking was not mm. something you were very familiar with. No. So you almost started from ground zero. Yeah. In terms of one, understanding the language. Yeah. Two, understanding you know, the style of communication, because yeah. it's a very different niche out Absolutely. there. And three is the whole art of baking itself, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so it was completely not in my, you know, sort of uh, my atmosphere at the time. It was sort of like super different for me. And it did feel scary again in the beginning, but it was so exhilarating. Yeah. It was exciting. Yeah. Because if you're doing something that you're passionate about, and then you're learning about that on top of everything else, I mean... It's just, it's, it is exciting. What you get out, get out of it at the end of it is a different result. Yeah, yeah. It will always be different because we always go in with some sort of expectation, right? But coming out of it, you'll end up with a, a result that's totally different. Totally different. Were you sort of journaling things on a regular basis? Um, how were you recognizing yourself? Are you moving forward? Are you sort of, do you have to step back and reflect on things? Because you've had, you know, post that um, 
the two years of um, the schooling, mm. you then had a journey which is pretty yeah. remarkable. Do you step back every time to see, hey, this is going fine, or these are some things I need to fix? How do you go about reflecting on it? I wish I could say that I do that. <laughs> I'm very instinctive, and I go with my gut a lot. Mm. So mm, to the planner and to the logistic business person, that's not the best way to do things I know. I've always been very artistic and creative. Mm. So I just go with my gut and touch wood till now that's worked for me. So I'm not planning on changing that uh, methodology, if you want to call it anytime soon, because I, I'm just not like that as a person. The minute I need to start doing that, somehow I lose interest. Mm. Um, somehow I'm not happy. Mm. And it just I noticed that then they don't, those things don't work out for me. So I just feel like my gut has always led me, always. So yeah. it's almost like you're following your passion. Yeah. But at the same time, um, <clears throat> the, the technical word for this is, uh, uh, what is that? It's called uh, micro-skilling, mm. um, wherein, you know, in order to be a self-disciplined learner, which is what the journey you're going through, yeah. um, you need to have your microcognitive awareness to support it. And you seem to have that really balanced, whether it is how you communicate, how you observe um, your, um, you know, collaborations, how you engage with your audience, how do you manage your time and effort, um, starting from base and, you know, stepping back to, that's where the gut comes in, mm -hmm. right, and in terms of you know, saying, yeah, this is going fine. So now let me go one notch above. Take that risk and go one notch above and, you know, deal with the ambiguity there. Mm. Uh, am, am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that I really try, I don't really, I don't really pre-think or preempt stuff. It's, yeah. it's um, sometimes I wish I did because <laughs> there are many situations where I sort of felt like, oh, I, maybe I should have pre-planned this a little bit more. When it comes to the actual job at hand and the work that I do, yes, then I'm fully in it and I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do and fully focused at the time. Um, but pre-planning is not something that I am great at. Hmm. Uh, yes, I do plan slightly ahead. Um, but foreseeing stuff hmm. and, you know, coming into something and saying, yeah, you know, this is going to be my next move or my next step. I'm not great at doing that. And I don't really like it either. And mm. that's why I think during the pandemic, I flourished because I was really going on like, you know, what was going on at the time. And it just I just got pushed into certain things and just pushed myself and just went for it yeah. without thinking. And that really worked. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that really stood out in our conversation earlier was when you went to your classes, um, it was a Spanish as well as French cuisine. Mm -hmm but you also wanted to understand the Indianness to it. And you questioned some of these and you had one of these conversations with your teacher. And, and even now you just talked about how communication, whether it is with someone you're learning or with your audience is very important. How much has that really played a role in carving out who you are today? You mean um, as a communicator? Yeah. Um, it's a big big part of who I am today because I really take pride in communicating with others 
um, because I think that that is the way to be. Uh, and it's a cross communication. It's not me talking at them, but it's me talking with them about certain things. So even when I'm teaching a cooking class and communicating with students across, you know, in a kitchen setting, um, I will communicate what I feel would be interesting for them to know. Um, but I also want their feedback right away. I want there to be a conversation. So, you know, I may know some stuff that they don't know, um, and I'm helping them to discover more, but I also don't know a lot about them and their experiences. So I like to have that coming back to me so that we can do a sort of, you know, uh, back and forth, and we're really interacting with each other. For me, interaction is key. Mm. So the communication has to go hand in hand with the interaction. This one-sided communication, mm, okay. I don't think that that's ever going to result in um, sort of success or enlightenment because I believe that questions, asking questions is super important. I sometimes ask too many questions myself, but um, Which is good, I think it's good because yeah. curiosity is something that we all need to have in us. It's not just about being a curious child. It's about being a curious human being. Mm. Um, but genuine curiosity and trying to understand why the, the why and, you know, why this is a certain way. What is this? And history, like why did this happen and why do we have this today? You know. It's, it's, it's just natural, right? And I think that a lot of people just hold back and they don't like to ask questions, but it's so important to do that. Yeah. It's yeah. so important, yeah. So as you finish the, um, the schooling, you then embarked on teaching mm -hmm. initially, but you also had started blogging. So um, if I can go back to the web 2.0 journey, which I was trying to draw a parallel, that's when we started really the social media started coming in content developers had a platform more than one platform where they could engage with the audience um, and you had this whole beautiful style of capturing photographs of food and sort of storytelling around it right you started off with that and then you went into teaching mm -hmm. um, tell me how did that start was that a natural progression or did you really knock on multiple doors and it just happened the teaching i knocked on doors i knocked on doors that was the only way to do it um the blog at the time was just really mainly for me um, as a creative outlet um and to share with i mean i think it was literally just a handful of friends and family that would be looking at it and that was early days of instagram right so yeah. I loved that. Like for me, Instagram was so beautiful because, you know, the photos, the filters, the, the you know, the way you can adjust things. I just love, you know, taking pictures and styling. So I've always enjoyed that. Um, but then the teaching came when I had finished my course. Mm -hmm. And that was when I got that sort of inspiration that, oh, you know, I think there's a gap here where people don't really know so much about Indian culture Indian cooking and spices mm. there was I could see that there was something missing because from my time in culinary school they were not really dabbling into those areas of the spices it was a very different niche right mm. 
So that's when I decided, okay, let me give this a go. Let me try, let me see. You know, who knows what will happen? And that's when I started knocking on the, there are lots of little culinary schools in Barcelona that do like sort of um, one-off courses of specialized cooking, cuisines and things like that. And that's where I went. Mm. That's what I was doing. Yes. So I was knocking on many, many, many doors. doors. Yes. So what I'm also seeing is this clarity and again, these are some of the key things that I've seen a self-directed learner goes through uh, as a process. You clearly had an idea of what are your strengths? What are things you would love to do? What gives you joy in this process? And then you were sort of rediscovering the market to figure out how does that fit in here? Mm. And in that process, you're willing, because that's what you were going after, you were willing thereby to explore knocking on multiple, you know, yeah. um, what is the word, uh, schools mm. uh, to actually give a course on this. Yeah. Uh, is that a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. That continues that's... to be something that defines you, Anjali? What? The, the, awareness, the awareness of who you are, yeah, what are your yeah, strengths yeah. and... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really want, all I want to do is to um, keep communicating and teaching mm -hmm. and um, allowing people to discover some stuff that they, you know, maybe perhaps want to and have not had the chance to or the space to do it. And, um, you know, for them, it's it's exciting. And I, I think as the years go by, there is so much more interest in, yeah. you know, international cuisine and culture especially from Europe, yeah. wanting to discover more about Asia. Um, I just think it's great. You know, I, I just want to be able to keep doing that. And from there, did you already start with uh, your videos on uh, your cooking? Or was that much later after you finished these uh, classes that you were conducting? Well, so the teaching led to my cookbook. Ah. So that was the first step. How did that happen? I mean, from teaching, how yeah. did you decide, all right, I'm going to be a writer now? Yeah, well, I got the same questions coming to me all the time from the classes. Was They were like, so um, you've taught us this, this dish, but, you know, these spices in here, what else can I do with them? What else is there that we can use? Um, do you know any other dishes that you can tell us? So there was that, curios that curiosity came up. Mm. And then it was the same questions all the time. So I noted those questions down and I was like, well, if they want to know, I think I need to tell them. And I need to start doing some research myself. And I was writing recipes anyway. Mm. So for me, that was something I was used to doing. And then the book came out because I was doing research about the spices first. And I wanted to do a book that was focused on the spices in terms of not just using them in cooking, but why we use them. Again, the why, the health benefits, which a lot of people didn't think about at that time. Mm. Um, and was new to them, right? So it was that and linking it to my recipes, not just Indian, because I wanted them to know that I'm also a very international person and I've always been because I was born in London. I used to go on holiday to the Philippines every year. My grandparents lived there. I've traveled the world a lot, I mean, a lot since I was a child. And you know, to bring about all my family recipes as well. Mm. And I just wanted to share that. So again, it, it came from a place of wanting to share, mm. wanting to teach, wanting to educate in the small way that I can, um, and and 
through beautiful photos and and easy recipes for people because I'm also a mum two kids my kids were much younger at the time and it was all about efficiency so I wanted to make people understand that you can cook beautiful stuff but you can do it efficiently mm. so that was my whole and that's how the book came and then after that the videos came I see yeah Taking a quick break from our conversation today, I wanted to quickly talk about our collaboration partner Hubhopper. This podcast was created on Hubhopper Studio. If you wish to start your own podcast for free, please visit www.hubhopperstudio.com. Hubhopper is India's leading podcast creation platform. Start your podcast with Hubhopper Studio and get your voice heard um, across platforms like Spotify, Ghana, Google Podcasts, Wink Music, and many more. Click on the link in the episode description to or visit hubhopperstudio.com. Thank you, Hubhopper, for the collaboration. And now we go back to our conversation. So when you were going through this journey was technology easy for you or how did you because you do all of this by <laughs> yourself right so yeah. how did you go through that because for for a first timer yeah it's not easy I it? would say that I grew with the technology um I was I've always been self taught hmm. I've always sort of and I'm not the thing is I'm not very um how do you say um specific and i don't need to know algorithms and i don't need when it comes to numbers i'm just that's not me <laughs> so i just for me it's the creative side if it's something that's creative i'm like oh wow what can i do with this okay let's let's do this so for me video um photos anything it was just exciting because it's another way to communicate you no know? so i was like okay whatever it takes to get my my um ideas across and uh whatever the creative side is if i can get that across to people let's do it you know and again it's about saying i don't know everything let's learn mm. you know and not scared of learning of course i had help along the way people to sort of say okay you know maybe this is better than this and you know this technology is like what's working now and things like that so the youtube channel was actually spawned by the people who helped me design my book they were a communications company and so they were the one who gave me the idea of starting some youtube videos along with the launch of the book so that would kind of help with my communication as well so all of that was again quite an orga- organic process i would say but you do the editing the recording all of that yourself well initially the youtube videos i got help with mm. um from uh these guys who were the camera crew and they did the editing for me and all of that but i mean the rest of it yeah like all of the other stuff was was me okay. and working closely with them as well and learning about how they do it also mm. and i had them till a certain point and then because i knew how to do it and i have to say that my older daughter helped me quite a bit with that cuz she's really tech savvy so she helped me so it was all very like in the family i would say and i would only work with people that i really felt comfortable with that i could really treat as family that could actually come into my kitchen sit down have a meal that's the kind of dynamic mm. that i enjoy yeah 
So you naturally progress then into collaboration yeah. with other chefs and restaurants and then um, opened up your studio at home. Yeah, so I renovated my kitchen and mm. made it a more professional style so that I didn't have to go to the other cooking schools anymore and I could just do it in my space. Mm. And that's where I felt the most comfortable. Because again, my my role as a mom was always, it's always been very key to me. So being close to my children and not having to leave to go away for hours to do the work and come back, I wanted that for myself. So that was mainly, it was mainly for selfish reasons that I did that. Yeah. Yeah. And in this process, um, if I can sort of, again, go back to the um, the microcognitive yeah. part of it, um, uh the way it comes together is um, is a good awareness of your strengths and what you don't want to do, a very good awareness of how you balance your time and your effort. Um, you start from your knowledge base and you continuously and gradually build. Mm. Um, you also communicate, you collaborate, and then you build your audience. You build a community yeah. in this process. Yeah. Um, and that's not easy. Many people really, I mean, organizations struggle with building a yeah. community. Yeah. What are some of the uh, processes you went through, steps you went through? And I'm, I'm thinking it's gradual. It's yeah, not yeah. like you went with, all right, tomorrow I'm going to start a community. It yeah. just gradually went through its own stages. Yeah. How did you go about I mean, I think, again, let's bring up the word communicate, mm. communication. So if you're going to have an outlet, like a, um, a social media outlet, and that's working for you because you're, you know, you're enjoying it and it's visual and it's entertaining, I think that you're going to expect some feedback, mm. right? So the feedback that you get will be people who comment. Mm. The most important thing is to reply to them and to interact with them. That creates community. Because there are many accounts that you'll see there's not much interaction or someone else is managing the social media, which is great. And I understand that if you have a lot on your plate, that's something that you need to, you know, delegate. That's great. You should. But for me, that won't work because I want to have direct contact with my community. Mm. That for me has always been number one because that's how I've generated my business. Mm. I've been one to one, one the whole time. There's never been anyone to communicate on my behalf. I Yes, it's a lot of work, 100%, but I'm willing to do that because for me, that's part of the satisfaction of what I do, yeah. is being able to know someone's name, know what they want, know what they um, you know, are requiring of me. Um, and that's how I can curate certain classes or certain events or collaborations because I'm getting that feedback from yeah. them. Yeah. So I, I feel like my community will always get from me what they want and vice versa because they're also supporting me and I'm helping them to learn new things and to have a good time in the process. And, and it it's works both ways. It's great. A major part of this is also networking, right? Because yeah. you started off with how you're a pretty shy person yeah. and from there to really build this community and actually expand to more colleges where you can do these course contents and bring in the right audience mm. means that you really need to reach yeah. 
beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. How did you go about really pulling that together? Yeah, it that that is a Herculean <laughs> task for someone who's. <laughs> I've always been shy. Um, as a child growing up, I was the quietest person in the room, always sitting in a corner. Had a lot on my mind and a lot of observation, but never wanted to say much. Um, and I have to give credit to Bangalore for giving me that communication skill, first of all, and the confidence to be able to be in a room and speak up, because that was what happened when I moved from the UK to Bangalore. Somehow something just opened up in me, so I always thank Bangalore for that. Um, but so still, you changed as a person when you were studying 100%, here? 100%, 100%. Something happened. I think it was just the feeling of me always belonging in India. Mm. I always, I found my roots really quickly when I came here. Mm. Um, and it is, there is still the timid girl inside of me when it comes to having to network or go to an event or speak in public or have to be at the head of the room, at the front of a classroom in a very reputed cooking school. There is that timid girl inside me that will be sweating and panicking and thinking, oh, you're going to forget everything. But I think that I don't mind her being a part of me mm. because she always tells me that, yes, but you've overcome that and you can do it. Mm. And that is this is you now. So, yeah, it was difficult initially having to network because of the fact that when I launched my book, then it brings you a little bit more to the forefront. You are going to be in front of people doing readings and cooking demos and things like that. It's just part and parcel of the job, really. Job, I say, my passion, okay? Um, but I've learned to embrace it now. And I think that enjoying it is a big part of it, you know? And I, and I just go out there and uh, just be me. Mm. You know, and I will make loads of mistakes because my Spanish is not perfect, but people know that about me. And I think that um, if they accept who I am, they'll accept that too. So, so your videos are completely in Spanish, right? Yeah, I would say the majority of everything that I do is in Spanish because yeah. I am very local there now, uh, Spanish-based. I will translate a lot of my posts into English that you um, do yourself? I do all of that myself. Okay. Well, I write in English first and then I translate it into Spanish. Um, but yeah, videos, I tend to speak mostly in Spanish. Yeah, mm. yeah, because the majority of my audience is, is Spanish. In Spanish. Yeah, yeah. And what next from here? <laughs> Who knows what's next, really, <laughs> after the year and a half we've had? Um, well, I'm really passionate about helping women in gastronomy. Okay. Uh, in Spain, specifically, um, and focusing on colored women in gastronomy in Spain. So I've been working on that right now, uh, finding ways in which I can uh, help other women like me who perhaps are starting or have a skill within the gastronomy field and need a little bit of a push, help, communication. So that's something that I'm gently working on at the moment. Um, not sure how and where that's going to go yet, but that is part of my plan. Is it like uh, sort of a circle where you yeah. hold hands in, right yeah. from evangelizing or starting on a path and then helping them yeah. carve out the next yeah. steps? Yeah, or like even the if they have to... had a journey till now, but they need help with perhaps breaking into the market in a certain area or you know entering a certain field within 
the field, just helping them with the communication and linking people up together so that, you know, they get more visibility. I think the word is visibility. I want them to be able to have an easier time. Not that my time was super difficult and that I struggled a lot. I There were times that were difficult, but I would like to make it easier for other people. Yeah. If I have some knowledge and I can help, yeah. that's for me now my 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 baseline right now is to help other people i just feel that i'm very passionate about that at the moment i can so relate with this like i was telling you i started podcasting not that i know anything about podcasting yeah. right i just listened to a lot of podcasts and i was like all right mm. maybe worth try yeah. and you're my 15th recording wow. today i've just gone live with the second one i'm going live with the second one today and it's a journey mm. um you're out there in front of the camera making mistakes yeah. you're learning from every step of it but isn't it great when you make yes. mistakes yes yes i love making mistakes yes. now scary it's, but it's like yeah it's part of the yeah journey. yeah it has to be yeah. it has and, because those mistakes are going to be your mark of like you know along the way you're going to be like well i made a mistake there but then see what happened after that yeah, yeah. and then see what happened after that mistake that was huge but look what happened after that yeah. you know like i think mistakes give birth to so much success exactly for me that's i i champion mistakes yeah. and i tell my kids that all the time i'm like don't be scared yeah. to fail yeah. because that's how you're going to succeed that's the only way that it's going to work True. yeah True. yeah how was your covid experience like we from india had mm. a different journey yeah. what is it like for you out there it was it was uh, i would say at some point it was pretty similar no like we all kind of went into a point where it was total lockdown in the beginning um and life stood still for quite a while it was a bit surreal quiet uh but also i didn't mind it too much i thought that it was a good way to regroup and uh, um just rethink certain things in terms of our lifestyle and 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 the way we go about our everyday mm. so that helped us also building up a bit more of a spirituality um you know base that also helped a lot of us to sort of think about ourselves a little bit more in that way and um the lockdown was a little less intense there because we got out of it by summer last year then again numbers went up things like that you know the usual now everything's pretty stable um pretty much back to normal everyone's trying to do things that are more in person now because we miss i mean we're humans right yeah. we need human contact yeah. it's very important yeah so virtual world was for a year very intense uh work wise it was really crazy i would say uh but i don't enjoy that as much now because i want to go back to being able to be in the same room with people i think that's that's just super important so. but is that where you started the ayurveda journey as well because so, yeah my ayurveda journey started by i enrolled in a school in london actually mm. and i used to fly there every month for 5 days it was a very intensive course and i finished it though virtually because i was i mean we were supposed to finish in uh, i think it was march no around june july of 2020 couldn't do that so we had to keep going online until February of this year when I finally got my diploma my certificate and that was good but that was all virtual unfortunately um so yeah it was kind of hybrid i would say my my ayurveda journey so some of it was in person and some of it was virtual so now do you see 
the two parts coming together mm. because you you were teaching um, the Indian spices and how to really do yeah. easy cooking for a culture that's very different from ours. And yeah. then we're introducing the benefits of Ayurveda. And I think you also talked about the yoga part of it as well, right? And yeah. the wellness holistically. Yeah. Is that what is Anjali 2.0? Um, it's part of me. It's definitely a big part of me. I believe in balance. Mm. So I think that... Uh, living a holistic life can you can incorporate a lot of different things within that circle that little sphere that you create for yourself and that's what I like to communicate to other people so it's not a all or nothing situation it's bringing in certain aspects of it and letting it fit into your everyday I think for me that is uh, that's key that's key so even with cooking I do teach some Ayurvedic focused classes mm. But I make it as accessible to people as possible so that they don't have to go out of their way to get something that's not available. Everything should be sourced locally, mm -hmm. whatever we can. If you can't get it, it's not going to work. Not it's not yeah. sustainable, right? So we always, I always say, like, it has to be sustainable. It has to be, you know, local, locally sourced as much as possible. And then also it has to fit into your way of life. Of course... When you make changes to your lifestyle for the better, that's always going to be good because, you know, a lot of us need to do that. Once you do that, then things just flow much easier. And it's also about not being hard on yourself. Mm. So that I do for me. And so when I, I do some consulting as well, once in a while, and I tell people that I'm like, you don't have to be hardcore with this thing. Let's go step, step by, by step, step. Mm. and take a few steps at a time. See what works. See what doesn't work. Because we're very hard on ourselves, no? It's like before when people used to go on crash diets, for example. It makes no sense because that's not realistic yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis. Back. Yeah, you come back It's never going to work, yeah. right? And you're not going to be happy. Yeah. So you must be happy with the journey that you're taking. You must commit. Commitment is key as well. I think when you commit to something, it will always work out. So that for me is also very important. I also see... There's a certain self-talk you have, Anjali, which is you're kind to yourself in your self-talk. Uh, it wasn't you, always the case. Yeah? yeah? I was going to ask you that. <laughs> did you, were you always like that no. or did you change? How did that come? Because no. I thought, I think that's very important. Because yeah. I, uh, earlier, used to have this really, you know, horrible way of mm. self-talk. You yeah. idiot, you stupid yeah. sort of thing. Which to, is what most of us Hey, not do. bad. Today we did something nice. And yeah. that's why I asked you also, do you pat your back? Do you write a journal? 100% sort of now yeah. I do that. 100%. Even if it's for the smallest things, that is what counts. And I, like I said, I was not always like that. That wasn't me. Very self-critical, mm. very hard on myself. I don't know whether this is something you can generalize as... Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's just what we do as women. I think mm, a lot of people who are driven, a lot of people who have visions you know, they are like that and they just want to do it all. Yeah. And when they can't do it all in the right way um, and when they feel out of place or where if they feel inadequate somewhere, like for a long time, I didn't feel like I belonged in Spanish society. Um, but little by little, when I could let that go, then you can allow yourself to integrate. You can't if you're sort of on edge and you're thinking, this is never going to work. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's self-doubt, self-doubt, self-doubt. Um 
then you know that that's just setting yourself up for a fall and not a good one. Mm. So pretty stressful and yeah, anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not easy having a family, trying to fulfill your goals and dreams and visions. It's not easy doing all of that, right? So you've got to give way to error. You've got to give way to be okay with yourself. Just be soft with yourself. Be nice to yourself. And I've learned that very recently, very recently. So yes. Yes, must pat yourself on the back as often as possible, even for the small things, because every small thing is a big win. Yeah, yeah. For someone who's sort of embarking, and, and thank you first of all for that, um, because I think we don't do that often, right? Yeah. Uh, we really don't indulge in ourselves. We you don't. know what I say? I, sorry to interrupt you, but I was, it was just my in my head right now. I high-five myself in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah I started doing I that. Do that. Yeah, yeah. I do that. Do, do you guys, do men do that? No. No? This is a very, uh, what's her name? She's, she has a book coming up. Yes. Um, so, yes, I know who you're talking about. The high-five. Blonde, she she's blonde yeah. with glasses. Exactly, Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins. So she spoke yeah. about this recently. and But I had been doing that for a while. So I had been like saying, hey, you know what? You're pretty cool. You did that. Yeah. Well done you. And yeah. I'll say to myself, well done, actually, yeah. well done. Yeah. That's really cool that you did that, yeah. you know. And to do that with other people also, it's great because they, it's like a sort of little um, second of reassurance yeah. that kind of keeps you going a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. recharging yourself yeah. for a minute. And it's there's nothing wrong with doing that at all. It's really not a big deal to do that. Yeah. And we should. You should do it first with yourself and then with others yeah. as well. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very important to 100%. really talk about the small wins. Yeah, yeah. And it's these small wins that really take you. It's like this well, elastic, right? Yeah. As you keep And that's pulling. how I see my, my whole right. journey. They've all been tiny little wins on yeah. the way. Yeah. I never say, oh, this is super, I was super successful at this and I was super, like, no, it's like small little steps, little wins on the way to get me where I am now. And I'm like, okay, this is great. When I look back, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> that's pretty decent. You know what? You're pretty cool. True. Yeah. True. So any advice for someone who's starting on this journey you know, I, and I think mm. the whole concept of cul culinary schools mm. and getting into this line is also catching up in India, right? And it's um, yeah. like we do have baking yes. institutes yeah, and some really, really good stuff yeah. happening yeah. there. And I think the newer generation, like my daughter's generation, mm. there's a plethora of things to pick up than yeah. just engineering medicine. Oh, yeah. So what kind of advice would you give not just for the youngsters, but there could be a whole bunch of people like me who are leaving the career to yeah. start something or you know, start a new mm. journey. What sort of advice would you give? I would say um, unlearn some stuff first because we have a lot of habits that we kind of build up, especially if you're in corporate or you're you know, in a business um, uh, atmosphere for a long time. I think unlearn some stuff. Take some stuff with you, but unlearn some stuff How too. do you do like that? Unravel yourself a little bit, yeah. you know? Let some stuff go because it's not all good for you mm -hmm. at the end of the day, right? So how you do it is going to be such a personal call for you, but it's just about really dropping, dropping the things that don't serve you anymore more than anything else, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then it's again, have the fear, mm -hmm. but don't, be Let so, it rule. Don't be so immersed in that. Yeah. 
that it clouds you. Yeah. Let, let that be part of your driving force, mm. you know, and just be open-minded and open heart. Mm. That's all you need to do. Be willing to learn. Be accepting. Be accepting. And be excited. Be excited. And from a... I, I love this. And mm. I can so relate with it because... I'm going through this journey yeah. right now, right, Anjali? And so, Great. Um, you know, every bit of it, I can totally relate with it. So I'm loving this. Um, you've also been a personal brand mm. creator, right? And that's a big part of the creator economy, wherein I'm no longer limited by these, you know, garden walls like the Facebooks or the Instagrams. You're sort of deviating from that with your own word. Um, website and your affiliate marketing, your books, your videos and your content and your community, mm -hmm. right? How do you go about building a personal brand? Because oftentimes we don't do that, yeah. right? We yeah. sort of, I don't know, I'm probably mm. generalizing, but I never looked at myself as a brand. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's very important, I think, yeah. irrespective of what industry or vertical you are yeah. in to really yeah. look at that. Yeah. So out of curiosity, how do you mm. go about? Well, I think for me, it was about um, identifying myself first. Mm. You need to identify who you are and what you want to communicate to other people. What do you want to put across? What is the way, like, how do I want people to see me? You know, so the minute you have that, and it takes time to obviously think about it, um, understand really where it is you want to go with this. Uh, I, perhaps for me it was a little bit easier because already I was in a market which where I stood out. Mm. I mean, this Indian girl from nowhere, these Spanish people all around me, me teaching Indian cuisine. There was no one else doing it, so I did. Ha I have to say that it, like for me, finding that niche was a bit easier, right? So mm. that was my identity at the time, and then you have to be visually attractive, not. When I say visually attractive, it's not about the external, you know, your face and everything, but it's about putting things in people's faces that are going to catch something catchy, mm. you know. So whether it be a name, a logo, like for me, those things are really important because they capture you right away, right? Mm. So something that's like catchy at the get-go, mm. you know. And when I came up with the name of my book, Soul Spices, it was not easy for Spanish people to say that initially, but they got the hang of it, you know, because the language is different. It's English, right? But I think that became my brand right away. Mm. So they saw that and the cover of my book are my hands and it says Soul Spices. So my hands have always been very much there. So when I say like, um, you know, visually appealing, I mean that. Yeah. Like, you know, there has to be something where someone can close their eyes and say, oh, okay, I've seen that book cover, those hands, I know who she is. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And that's how a lot of people identified me in the beginning. So I noticed, okay, if that's working for me, I'm going to keep going with that. Mm. I'm just going to keep going with that. I'm going to make sure that I'm there in everything that I do. Not my face, but my hands, my voice, um, you know, anything that I can, you know, put in there. Like I have this little elephant that's in all the photos inside my book. And that elephant is in most of my pictures because that's how people identify me. So it's about ident identification. Mm. You know, that's for me, branding, it's really cont continuity. Mm. You you got to stick to it. Yes, there have been times when I'm like, oh, this is really boring. Maybe I need to do something else now. But then I'm like, no, 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 no. It may be boring for me. There's a lot of people that still don't know me out there. And that's how they're going to discover me. I mean, I met one of my best friends 
who collaborates with me work-wise a lot because she fell in love with the cover of my book, the back of it. Because on the back of my book, I'm doing this, this the mudra. Mm. And she printed that out and she has that in a room even before she knew me. That's how she met me initially. And then we met at one of my pop-up uh, lunches that I was doing in a restaurant. And we got introduced. And from there, she was like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe I'm meeting you. I've had your hands in my room. It's like I've created a little altar for myself and your hands oh, have lovely. been there. I mean, I didn't, it's, it's crazy. Like, I had no idea. But you see, that's how you communicate with people. Yeah. And it has to come from a genuine place, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's another thing. Being personal. What you're yeah, also yeah. saying is... It's completely yeah. personal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, as it is, quite a transparent person, mm. which sometimes doesn't work for me, but for the most part it does. Um, you just got to be honest about what you're doing. You've got to be honest. You can't Anjali. mislead people. Anjali, thank you so much. Thank you. I love this thank conversation. <laughs> and I hope... Uh, you enjoyed it as much I as did, I, I did. I did, I loved it. <laughs> and it was worth uh, the time that you spent Absolutely. here for us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you.